I got some jokes for you guys. Uh, three, three jokes that are okay, and then one joke that's really good. Okay? Ready for the three up front? We're talking about trust today, so the jokes are about trust. I don't trust the tree in my front yard. It seems kind of shady. I don't trust artists. They're really sketchy. <laughs> don't trust left-handers. Have we got any left-handers in the room? Okay. Don't trust left-handers. Uh, there's something not right about them. Mm. Smarter. Yes. This one's a good one. We built up to this. A good romance starts with a foundation of trust and a good friendship. Do you agree with that? It's good. A bad romance starts with rah, 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 rah. <laughs> Get it? Yeah. yeah, okay. Next. So we're talking about trust today. You didn't know Lady Gaga came to City Church, did you? Yeah. Uh, talking about trust today and God restoring our trust. And so I just got some rhetorical questions for you guys to start off this message. Nobody in first service understood what rhetorical means. This means that you actually are uh, like processing this. You know, think about these things. How much do you trust people today? How much do you trust? How much do you trust our government? Think about these things. Politicians? How about science? How much do you trust science? People's opinion. How much do you trust that? Proven research. How much do you trust it? As I was praying about this title this week of God wants to restore his church to trusting him and his faithfulness. Restores our heart to trusting in his faithfulness for us. I started thinking about how much weight do I give people's words today? You know, how much, how much do I trust people right now? I think about the commitments and, or you put your trust in somebody only to learn like they were lying the whole time or they were swindlers, you know? As we go through life, our lack of trust for people can sometimes spill over into our relationship with the Lord. We don't trust people much, and then we slowly but surely start don't trust the Lord anymore, trust in his faithfulness. This really came to a head for me in 2020. I don't know if you guys have picked up on this, but we started the entire year off with a restoration project of our church, and God's restoring these things. And so we're really looking at last year and what the Lord wants to restore in our life, because I think it woke us up in a lot of different areas. But trusting really came to a head in 2020 of how much do I trust God? How much do I trust people? And probably the biggest part was how much do I trust myself? There's a lot of doubts. And sometimes that starts to spill over in our relationship with God. We look at him as like, oh, I can't really trust people that much, so I can't really trust God. But God wants to renew our trust in his faithfulness. That's what we're going to talk about today. I want to take, for instance, this pillar. 
Was anybody thinking about when they walked in the door that this thing is holding up millions of pounds above you? These pillars, see them around the room? Seems like every church we, like every building we buy has pillars for some reason. Hmm, maybe God's trying to say something. I don't know know what that is. But, uh... (laughs) can't hear you guys. Okay. So the pillars, were you thinking about like, what if these pillars weren't here? Or what if they collapsed? Oh no, right? And so we trust in these pillars to, to hold up a bunch of weight above us. We put all of our trust in that. And so this word trusting in God's faithfulness, faithfulness actually means to lean upon to lean upon God, to trust Him, to actually put our trust at the, I mean, I know I put on some COVID weight, but do you think this pillar is going anywhere with me leaning on it? It's not going anywhere, is it? This is the faithfulness of God that we can lean upon Him. We can trust Him. We're going to be looking at the book of Jeremiah as we talk about God's faithfulness. And if you've been tracking along or if you're a first-time visitor today, I'm going to kind of give you a backstory of Jeremiah, and we're going to be picking up in Jeremiah 42 today. We started off the year with looking at the book of Jeremiah to teach us about putting God first and what that looks like. Above anything else, God at the start, that he's everything that we need. It's all wrapped up in him. This was Jeremiah's message to a group of people. The Israelites had become complacent with putting God first. They started to get lazy, so they had this land of milk and honey, and God actually brought them to it, and they were able to live there, all the provision they could ever want. And once they got there, they got a little bit lazy and started putting other gods above God, started to trust in other things. And so God calls them back and says, I want you for myself. I want to be your God. And the Israelites just didn't want to hear it. And so he calls Jeremiah as a prophet and puts words in Jeremiah's heart to speak to the Israelites that God wants us back, guys. And they just didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to listen to anything he had to say. He spends 42 years of his life telling people that God wants them. He'll take care of all your needs. He's got this all under control. Just come back to God. So what ends up happening is the Babylonians are going to come from the north. And they're going to attack the city. And so Jeremiah's message is to him, change your ways, turn back to God, or the Babylonians are going to come and destroy the city. He wants to protect you. They choose not to listen. So the Babylonians do come. They destroy the city. They take everybody into captivity. We're picking it up in Jeremiah 42. There's this little remnant, this little group of people that haven't went to Babylon yet and actually like made that home. They're on the outskirts of that, and they have an opportunity to go to Babylon and go other places. And you'll see in this passage, we're going to actually read the entire passage today. You guys are going to read a chapter of the Bible today. We are. You'll see in this passage that the Lord just wants to protect his people again. If they would only trust him, they'd only put their trust in him and lean on him. 
instead of decided on their own which way they should go. So Jeremiah 42, 42 verse 1. You guys down for, for an entire passage today? We got one person. That makes two between first service and second service. So I think we're on the right track. You want to pray? Let's pray, and then I'll just jump into his word. God, we thank you so much for uh, that your word is alive and living, that it speaks directly to our hearts, that you have something for every single one of us in this room. And so, Lord, as we uh, open up your word, as we open up our hearts to how much it is that we trust right now, the different areas that maybe we've lost focus in, maybe the different areas that we have taken back, some areas that you're calling us to move forward in and trust you. Lord, I just pray that each one of us would just leave this place different, that we'd be able to trust you and be able to trust people, be able to trust in your provision, trust in your plans, trust in your purposes for our lives. So do what only you can do. We just make this passage alive and living for each one of us in this room. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Just choose to get out of your way. Would you speak directly through me to your church? In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 42, or chapter 42, verse 1. Then all the army officers, including Johanna, the son of Korea, the Jezaniah, son of Jehozaniah, and all the people from the least to the greatest approached Jeremiah, the prophet, and said to him, Please hear our petition and pray to the Lord your God for this entire remnant. For as you know, as you now see, though we were once many, now only are few are left. Pray that the Lord your God will tell us where we should go and what we should do. You guys ever prayed this prayer before? Like, hey, pray, uh, I would need to know where to go, what, what I should do. I've heard you, replied Jeremiah the prophet, and I will certainly pray to the Lord your God as you have requested, and I will tell you everything the Lord says and keep nothing back from you. Then they said to Jeremiah, may the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us if we do not act in accordance to everything the Lord your God sends us to tell us. Whether it's favorable or unfavorable, we will obey the Lord our God to whom you are sending us, or to whom we are sending you, so that it will go well with us, for we will obey the Lord our God. Ten days later, the Lord came to Jeremiah. I just want to pause really quick there. Sometimes people will ask you to pray about something, and then you feel this pressure to pray about it right now in this moment. Okay, well, I got to get an answer for you real quick. Jeremiah takes 10 days to go and, and pray about this and then come back to them with an answer. There's never a pressure. God's not in a hurry. So I just invite you to think about that. Hey, will you pray about this? Yeah, I'll get back to you a couple weeks from now. <laughs> it's okay. He's not in a hurry. 10 days later, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. So he called together Johanna, the son of Korea, and all the army officers who were with him and all the people from the least to the greatest. And he said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your petition says, if you stay in this land, I will build you up and I won't tear you down. I will plant you and not uproot you 
for you, for I have relented concerning the disaster I was going to inflict on you. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, whom you now fear. Do not be afraid of him, declares the Lord, for I am with you and I will save you and deliver you from his hands. I will show compassion on, I, I will show you compassion so that he will have compassion on you and restore you to your land. However, <laughs> I love that because they haven't listened to anything Jeremiah said so far. <laughs> so like God's like, this is what I want you to do. But however, if you say, we will not stay in this land and so disobey the Lord your God. And if you say, no, we will go and live in Egypt where we will not see war or hear the trumpets or the hungry or be hungry for bread. So they really didn't like trumpets back then. I think it was from all the like fifth grade band recitals they had been to. Okay. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. If you are determined to go to Egypt and you do so settle there, then a sword that you fear will overtake you there. And the famine you dread will follow you into Egypt and there you will die. Indeed, all who are determined to go to Egypt to settle there will die by the sword, the famine, and plague. Not one of them will survive or escape the disaster I will bring on them. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. As my anger and my wrath have been poured out on those who live in Jerusalem, so will my wrath be poured out on you if you live in Egypt. You will be a curse, an object of horror, a curse, an object of reproach. You will never see this place again. Remnant of Judah... The Lord has told you, do not go to Egypt. Be sure of this. I warn you today that if you make the fatal mistake when you sent me to the Lord God and said, pray to the Lord your God for us. Tell us everything that he has to say and we will do it. Well, I have told you today, but you still have not obeyed the Lord your God in all he has sent me to tell you. So now be sure of this. You will die by the sword, famine and plague, in the place where you want to go and settle, which is the place called Egypt. They want to go to Egypt. Have you ever asked somebody to pray for something for you, but you already knew the answer that you wanted? <laughs> it's never happened, has it? Will you pray about this situation for me? We already know what you want out of the answer, right? And so that's what we have in this story is this group of people come to Jeremiah. They want to go to Egypt really bad. But they're like, go ahead and like pray to your God, and then uh, we'll listen to everything that he has to say, and we'll go to whatever your God says. But then he tells them what God says, and they don't listen, right? <laughs> so there's three things out of this passage that I'd love to point out about God's faithfulness. The first one is this. God is faithful when we're unfaithful. Even when we're unfaithful, God is still faithful to us. Look in verse 2. It says, the people said to pray to your God. Like they're talking to Jeremiah, pray to your God. And then in verse 3, pray to your God and then we'll listen to him. But I love this because Jeremiah spins this. He says, I'll pray to your God. Do you hear that? So they've been unfaithful to God and haven't listened to anything that God has said and Jeremiah's like, okay, you're calling my God, my God, and you want me to pray to my God. And then Jeremiah goes, let's pray to your God. God is faithful even 
when we're unfaithful. Even in denial, even in disowning, even in pushing aside, even worshiping other gods, Jeremiah makes it really clear. You can't escape the faithfulness of God. In verse 10, Jeremiah says, uh, he once again is going to save you from the disaster that's going to come. He's inviting them into this like faithfulness, like you haven't listened to anything that I've said, but yet alone, God's going to continue to be faithful. He's going to show you compassion. He's going to save you from the disaster that could come. If you guys got a pen, there's a pen in the back of the seat. I'd love for you to write down this verse. It's 2 Timothy 2.13. 2 Timothy 2.13 says this, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. He can't disown himself. He can't go against his word. He can't go against his promises. He's God, and so he's always going to be faithful. God is faithful even in our unfaithfulness. He's always going to be faithful. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself. 2 Timothy 2.13. He's always going to be faithful to his promises. And he promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And you see that with the, the book of Jeremiah. They didn't deserve God to be faithful. But God chose to be faithful because it's his promise. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm still going to give you direction and plans. Even though you don't want to listen to me, I'm still going to direct and guide your path. That's so good to know about God's faithfulness. It's not dependent on our faithfulness. That we can take hold of that today. Man, I've, been, I've made some really crazy decisions in the past. But today is a brand new day. And you can take hold of his faithfulness in this moment right now. It's not dependent on the faithfulness that you've had in the past and you've built up this faithfulness so finally you can move forward. No, God is gonna be faithful in this moment right here, right now. And so you can take hold of that. He's always gonna be faithful. The second thing I wanna point out in this passage is we can be faithful because we can trust in his faithfulness. So as we study this book of Jeremiah, as we're coming to an end, next week is we're going to be on uh, chapter 52, and we're coming to an end of this long book. I'm walking away with how faithful is Jeremiah? Jeez. Spent his entire life talking and presenting things to people that didn't want to hear him, and yet alone he was just faithful because God called him to do it. It's just faithful to the call. He said everything that God put on his lips. You know how hard that is? To say everything that God puts on your lips? He held nothing back. He faced, faced death. He faced opposition. He was abandoned by people. He was called a liar. He was ridiculed. But even through all this, he said, I'll pray to your God. It's just, it's just so amazing, you know? Like, I would have gave up 41 years ago. <laughs> but 42 years of just investing in people 
And then they're like, hey, we don't know what direction to go. Would you pray to your God? And he's like, yeah, I'll do something a little better. I'll pray to your God. He's just faithful to the call. God called Jeremiah to be a prophet. Jeremiah wakes up every morning and is just faithful. One of the ideas of being faithful is that we should see a bunch of fruit. It's an assumption. It's a great idea. That we should see a bunch of fruit. Look, I'm tithing, so my car definitely shouldn't break down. (laughs) I'm faithful to tithe. Why in the world am I, you know, dealing with this and that? Or, you know, I'm faithful to serve people, so obviously I should never feel alone. I'm always there for people. I'm so faithful at that. So why in the world do I feel alone? One idea of faithfulness is that you're always going to be fruitful. And you can't look at the book of Jeremiah and say like, oh yeah, obviously, look at all this fruit Jeremiah gets. There's nothing. He's just constantly presenting the gospel to people that don't want to hear it. I was faithful to study, so I should ace my test. I'm faithful to my husband or my wife, so we should never fight. I've been faithful. She should always want to do the things I want to do. Right, baby? I'm faithful. I deserve this. You can't point to the study of Jeremiah and say that. I have a really strong word that I feel like is is for a lot of the people in this room. And that's this. God calls us to be faithful, to be faithful to his call. He has called you to be faithful so that you can be faithful to his call. In faithfulness, you start to trust in God's faithfulness and put the ball in his hands to see fruit. The fruit does not always end up the way you want to see it. You don't always get your way, right? But God has called you to be faithful because he's been faithful to, because he's faithful to his call. He just wants you to be faithful to the call that he has on your life and then trust him with the fruit. Just be faithful in that. Say, yes, Lord, here I am. Like, I surrender. Take my life. Use whatever you want. I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna trust in your promises. And then whatever happens from there is in your hands. It's not in my hands anymore. But I've heard it so many times that I've been faithful, therefore I should see a bunch of fruit. And I'm here to tell you that doesn't always happen. It's really discouraging for some people. It's this weird assumption that I've been faithful, so therefore I should have all this stuff. And sometimes faithfulness looks like a lot different. The fruit looks a lot different than what you ever expected it to look like. You might be investing in somebody today that you're not going to see the fruit of, but they're going to have the fruit of like two generations from now, three generations from now. And so God just calls you to be faithful, and then you put the fruit in his hands. He's the one that produces the fruit, not us, right? 
So I see that with Jeremiah. He's just constantly pouring himself out to people and just sharing the word of the Lord to people, and nobody listened. And so it's not that Jeremiah wasn't good. and not, It's not that Jeremiah wasn't faithful to his call. Jeremiah was completely faithful to his call, but the fruit was in God's hands. And so if we always look at things like, I'll be faithful if I see, I'm telling you, you're setting yourself up for a disaster. Sometimes God just puts a word on you, word on your heart for a certain person or a certain people group or, or just to, to do something in your, in, your, uh, in your workplace, to do something in your family, to invest and, and to love, and then you just trust him with the fruit. This goes for parenting very much. Just trust, your, trust God with your, the fruit. God, trust the Lord with your fruit. Trust the Lord with your kids. You may have done everything right. God, trust the Lord with your fruit. We can be faithful to the call because God is faithful to us. And the third thing is this, is when we stop leaning on God's faithfulness, we tend to do stupid things. I'm going to say that again. When we stop leaning on God's faithfulness, guess what? You tend to do stupid stuff. How many of you would like to save like doing stupid things from now on? You know, here on out, like, okay, a couple of us don't want to be stupid. Uh, so when we tend to... To lean on, when we stop leaning on God's faithfulness, we tend to do stupid stuff. So verse 13 says that they were ready to leave the place that God called them to be at and then go back to Egypt, right? Egypt? Really? The place that God rescued them from and brought them out of the desert and gave them the land of plenty? Egypt, the, the place that the Lord like parted the Red Sea so that they could leave? Even with Jeremiah telling them, guys, don't go to Egypt. It's bad. It's going to be bad. And what's it, if you keep reading the book, you're going to realize that disaster is coming to Egypt. So the Lord's trying to save them from disaster. Again, don't go to Egypt. They're ready to leave God and just go ahead and make a decision on their own, even though they said, hey, whatever decision you make, favorable or unfavorable, we're going to listen. They're ready to go to Egypt still. Here's the truth behind Egypt, is they knew what to expect. I think we all have Egypts. They knew what to expect in Egypt. They're going to be fed they could work 20 hours a day and maybe have one Sunday off for a festival once a month. They're going to work for Pharaoh again. Let's go back to Egypt. We know what to expect there. When we stop relying on God's faithfulness, we tend to do stupid stuff. Going back to a situation that we really know isn't what God has for us, but we know what to expect. And God's like, no, I want you to stay here. I want to build you up. I want to plant you. I want to invest in you. I want to pour into you. I want you to be my people. And we're like, 
but I kind of know what to expect over here, so that's, I'm leaning in that direction. God's like, trust me. Just trust me. So the three things from that passage, he is faithful even when we are faithless. We can be faithful because of his faithfulness, not of our own strength, but because God is faithful, we can be faithful. Jesus resides inside of us. We can be faithful to the call that he has on our life, faithful to his plans and our purposes. And then we can lean on him and not make stupid decisions. Today we have the same opportunity that the Israelites had to just trust in God, to trust in his faithfulness, to lean upon him in all areas of our life, in our marriages, in our relationships, in our friendships, and at work, in the Quad Cities, staying in the Quad Cities, in this church. We have an opportunity to trust the Lord, put the fruit in his hands, just going to hand you back whatever happens from here on out, God. I'm going to trust you. We have the same opportunity. We can lean on him today. To lean on the Lord. And so I gave you this really good, I think it's a good idea. It's a good description of what faithfulness looks like and that you can lean on God. and He's not going anywhere. No, and this is kind of the, the idea of like leaning on God, isn't it? Well, we can just lean on him. He's not going anywhere. He's faithful. We can trust him. This isn't going anywhere. But what this really looks like is it looks like this. To just trust him. Just put it all in his hands. Say, God, I trust you. What 2020 look like for me, guys? What's this? I don't know what direction God. I don't know how you're going to make ends meet. You're my best friend.
the walk of Christ. Being a Christian is not, this is, I'm leaning upon God. Simple stuff. I was grabbing a hold of them. I was grabbing a hold of them. Just trusting them. I'm not seeing any of the fruit I thought I would see. I'm going to choose to just trust you. You've been faithful. You've been so faithful. Where else do I have to go? You can grab hold of that today. Today's a new day. Today's a brand new moment. This is a brand new moment in time that you can grab a hold of God's faithfulness in this moment right now. So anything else that's been trying to distract you, if you have some Egypts in your life that has been trying to pull you back, you can come back to God's faithfulness. The door is always open. That's what's so crazy about God. He never gives up. He never gives up. He's always inviting us into more. More. Trust me. I have great plans for you. Trust me. So we have the same opportunity today. This is so beautiful. God calls us his own. We're a son and daughter of the king. He just says, trust me. Is there anything that the Lord's been highlighting in this? Anything that the Lord's been highlighting, I just invite you to just hand it over. Just hand it over to him. Say, you know what, Lord, I'm just, I'm going to trust you. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't know why you called me to it, but I'm going to choose to trust you. I'm going to choose to trust you to be my all in all. I don't need anybody else to fulfill that. I'm just going to choose to trust you. He's faithful. He's faithful. So I invited you at the beginning of this message to think about some things and process some things on how much you trust. I asked you to be rhetorical about that, to think about it inwardly. But today, I'm going to end the message with just inviting you to actually speak it out that you trust God. Because what you're doing is you're proclaiming that over any situation that's going on in your life. What comes out of your mouth is also coming out of your heart and it's coming out of your soul that I choose to trust Jesus today. So would you guys just stand up with me? Let's just invite him. Let's just invite him. God, we thank you for the invite that you have for each one of us. Each one of us in this room just get to be invited to, to trust you. Whether it's our first time or just saying, you know what? I, I've tried everything else out there and I've been looking for something in, to fulfill my life. And so I'm going to choose to just trust you, Jesus, right now. Or whether it's our 50th time or 100th time of just saying, you know what? My life is in your hands. Man, one thing that I just uh, I really feel strongly about is the Lord is just not, he's not asking you to have it all figured out. He's just asking you to be available. 
He, he just wants people to be available today, to be available to whatever he calls you into, to just trust him. Okay, God, I'm making myself available again. So I just invite you, anything that, that just came to mind that you may, uh, that you just feel this uh, invite. Yeah, this is an area I just want you to trust me in. I just feel for some of the fathers in the room that there's been some areas that you're just kind of contemplating some doubting, um, some decisions and also definitely like, um, are you being a good father? And I just got a word for you that, that through Jesus, like you're a great father. As you trust in his faithfulness, the Lord has made you a great father. Today's a brand new day. You can take hold of that. Any moms in the room, the, the Lord has made you a great mother. No matter if anybody said anything different about you in the way that you parent, God has made you a great mother. Just trust him in what he's doing today. Yeah. I also just want to pray over some financial decisions. Uh, a lot of fear involved in trusting God with our finances. And God's just saying, like, don't turn to Egypt. <laughs> Trust me. This is the one thing that he invites us to trust him in. And like we fight it and we fight it. And God's just saying, you know what? Trust me. I, I'm, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to build you up. I'm going to bless you. I'll take care of your needs. So I just invite you right now just to say the words, I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. Just say that over any area right now that's just highlighted that you're just like, you know what, I, I feel like I've kind of taken a step back or I've, uh, I've kind of taken matters in my own hands. I just invite you even one more time. I trust you, Lord. Yeah. Trust him with the fruit. Trust him with the process. Trust him that he's working all things out for his good. trust you, Lord. Yes. Just trust you, God. Just invite you today, right now, let's just receive communion. It's because of Jesus and what he did for each one of us on the cross that we can just come to him, that we're adopted in, that we can just come to him and just say, you know what, I trust you. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice for each one of us in the room. There's nothing that holds you back from the love that Jesus has for you. And so let's just remember that. Lord, we remember your body that was whipped and broken and bruised for us. And we thank you for the wholeness, God, that comes from that over our body, our soul, and our mind. So we just remember what you did for us, Lord. Meet you. And then, Lord, we remember the blood that was sacrificed for us, that, that you're, you uh, came from heaven to earth to live a perfect life, that you're the Lamb of God. 
that in, it's in your name, it's in your power, it's in your blood, that we can all be adopted in, that we can have the power of the resurrection, that we can actually take hold of this, that there's no guilt, there's no shame, there's no condemnation, there's nothing, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. So we thank you for that, and we remember that in this moment. Hey, drink.